Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Welcome to this special edition of Political Rewind. I'm Kevin Riley, editor of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm filling in for Bill Nygut today, and what a day we have. If you're listening at 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, we are live due to the fast-moving developments related to the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, originally, Brian, Governor Brian Kemp was scheduled to speak today at 1 o'clock. That's been pushed back to 3 o'clock, and you can listen to that live here on uh, GPB. But we do know at least one of the items the governor will talk about during that press conference. The governor's office has confirmed about an hour and a half ago that Georgia has its first death from the COVID-19 virus, a 67-year-old man who'd been hospitalized at Wellstar Kennestone Hospital since testing positive on March 7th, has passed away. In addition to being infected with the coronavirus, this individual also had underlying medical conditions, we're told. Joining me to discuss the develop- this development and other news happening at the Capitol and around the state, here in the studio is my AJC college and, or colleague rather, and senior political columnist, Jim Galloway. Jim, it's good to have you alongside here. Bill picked quite a week to be gone, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, and uh, things are just really moving very, very fast in the state Capitol everywhere else, and everywhere else around, the, around Atlanta, metro Atlanta and the state. It's, it's been incredible. And on the phone is uh, our colleague, AJAC political reporter, Greg Bluestein. Greg, are you there? Hey, boss. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. We're glad you could join us. How are things down there? Uh, everything is uh, in a tizzy, really, because no one's quite sure. It, today could even be the last day of the legislative session. Um, House Speaker Ralston suggested that he is, well, he said he is reevaluating the entire calendar. Governor Kemp is about to give a, a press conference where he's going to outline some more details. So, um, there's a lot of uh, energy and excitement down here, um, but not necessarily over a good reason um, on this very pivotal day at the legislature. Okay, thanks, Greg. And at the state capitol, GPB lawmakers host Donna Lowry. Donna, good to have you, and I'm glad to be working with you today. I'm glad to be working with you, too, and I'm glad that we're trying to get the latest on this. And I think... Greg described it right. Everything is a little bit in a tizzy. We're uncertain about so many different things. But maybe I can have somebody clear up a few things for us. With me right now is uh, the Dean, Calvin Smyrie, Representative Calvin Smyrie. Thank you for being with us right now. We're on Political Rewind, and we're talking about what happened this morning. One of the things that happened on the House side is we have a new adjournment calendar, which changes things a little bit. So tell us what that is. German calendar is now because the House had one calendar and the Senate had another calendar. Well, I, I'm glad that, that this was cleared up because in my 46 years, I don't think I've seen one time when there were alternating calendars between the House and the Senate. Under the environment we're under now with the virus, uh, it's incumbent that we at least be on the same calendar so that if any action can be taken, it could just make sure that um, it's done so that the House and the Senate can, can conf- confirm whatever action we take. So that's the one good thing about 
the concurrent calendars. Now, where we go from there as it relates to the virus and, and the state of uh, Georgia is something uh, that the governor, the speaking lieutenant governor, will continue to, to, to confer about. So, now, you guys left it pretty open-ended. So there is the, still a possibility that you could end things. Talk about what, some of the scenarios. Well, the, the, the fact of the matter is we still, I think it's, the jury is still out on what our final decisions will be, but I think the urgency of the matter, with the fact that today is crossover, uh, and that we'll be in tomorrow just to continue the logistics of the session and then take Monday off, it gives us an opportunity to, to gauge the situation as it relates to uh, what the virus is, is the conditions in the state of Georgia. So with the fact of the matter, uh, passing the $100 million uh, today to give the Governor Kemp the authority to use that money as it relates to issues surrounding the virus. Uh, uh, so that to me was, is a very fiscal responsible thing for the members of the General Assembly to do, to put some money and some funds up for the, for the Governor to, to really do a comprehensive uh, look at uh, where we are uh, on, on this condition. That Kel was the major thing that happened today. The amended budget, the budget that is taking place right now has been is at the, with the governor right now. So we're good through the 1st of July, but we don't know what's going to happen in terms of the big budget for 2021 at this point, that right? Is, that is correct. The, 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 the Senate now will look at the, the, at the big budget, and then we'll try to get to a conference committee and, and go from there. The, the, the key is, today the key uh, matter was, is when the House and Senate dropped its differences and came together with a, a concurrent calendar. Therefore, at least now we're on the same page as to what we're going to be do going forward with. Kelvin, Kelvin. If not change that, I think the, the jury will be still out of it. Kelvin. I, uh, I believe, Kevin, you may have a question for him. Uh, Somebody. Uh, Kelvin, this is Jim Galloway here. How are you doing? Hey, hey, Jim, how are you? Doing great. Uh, House Democrats... Uh, this morning called for an uh, for a, a very very quick end to this session. What kind of time frame did you have in mind? Because it sounds like from what you're saying, uh, uh, signing die wouldn't come tonight and it wouldn't come tomorrow and it might not, but it might come Monday. Is am I hearing you right? That is correct. Uh, this morning uh, in our meeting at Democratic Caucus and in my discussion with the Democratic leadership, our our position was to take some sort of a break. We did not uh, we did not describe what the break would be, and we thought it, it, it would be an earlier adjournment. But in our discussions, and and uh, if you watched the the, the proceeding this morning, uh, Lita Trammell and myself uh, made comments as it relates to the new calendar that that is developed and uh, I think that what what happens now I think is, is is a situation where we have to stand by and see what what occurs within the next few days but 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 initially this morning we had talked about an adjournment in totality representative Spire and the key this morning the key this morning also was to bring both of the calendars and make them concurrent so that we could take the necessary action. This is uh, Kevin Riley. Uh, just for our uh, listeners, average people, what are the implications of the of the session and you know of, of this kind of calendar and the session coming to an end so quickly? I mean, doesn't that just leave a lot of business on the table? Well, when you when you're dealing with a an, an urgency as we have today. Things are, are sort of in limbo, and, and I think the urgency of it, with us uh, going to the reserve fund, which we said we will not touch this legislative session, 
going and, and giving the governor $100 million that he uh, requested from the members of the General Assembly, and for us to do that in one day, uh, I think speaks volumes of the commitment of the members of the General Assembly as it relates to the virus. Now, the political difference between the House and the Senate were resolved in, in the process of the calendar. So now the calendars are concurrent. And so we are, at least we're on that posture. So any action we take now, we can both pass it between the House and the Senate and then go from there. I, I think what's interesting on that calendar is sine die isn't on that adjournment calendar that, we received. That is correct. That's, that gives you the open end that, 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 that at any time that, that, that's appropriate with, with the concurrence of the governor, the speaker, and the lieutenant of the governor, we can come back and the fact that we are both on concurrent calendars now, we can shut the General Assembly down. And, and the vote was practically unanimous when it came unanimous. to that, right? I think there's a better understanding. Uh, in my years of serving here, uh, I only seen a couple of months or twice where the House and Senate were not on concurrent calendars on legislative days. And you cannot function as a General Assembly if you're not on the same concurrent calendar. Forget about the signing die aspect of it. We can, we, can, we can come in as a member of the General Assembly and either re recess or take an adjournment and, and, and set a, another calendar comeback Two weeks from now, three weeks from now, a month from now. Yeah, Ke we Kelvin, let Kelvin, know that there's. That Bell is actually saying that they're back in session. Kevin. Uh, this is Jim, uh, but but uh, but Jim. Calvin, if 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 the the general assembly simply goes into recess or suspends, uh, individual lawmakers would be would still be barred from raising campaign cash, right? And we've got a, a primary coming so up, I, a May I, primary coming up. And I and I, and I think, uh, Jim, I think that would bold very that would that would bold that would be very strong in terms of whatever the whatever the uh, posture of the members of the general assembly would be. And so I would think if we did it. We will, it would be an adjournment because in a recess, the members of the General Assembly still are not allowed to go out and campaign. They can campaign, but they could not uh, uh, participate in any fundraising capacity. So that would make it that would, that would make a null and void, I think. So I think the appropriate motion would be an adjournment and come back, and the governor will call us back in special session. Greg Bluestein, you're on the phone. Do you have any questions? This month, that, or the end of April, right? And then, and then May. 19th, there's a primary for some of them. So, so, so more for practical purposes, it would be after the May primary. Okay, I think that uh, we might want to see if uh, Greg Bluestein, if you have a question, and then uh, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, and so, Chairman uh, Dean Smyre, one of the options that you just mentioned is adjourning um, tonight or, or, or in the next couple of days and then coming back after a primary, but look at the optics of that, too. What if, what if lawmakers were, were holding fundraisers instead of being down here at the Capitol doing a coronavirus um, uh, scare? Um, are, are lawmakers concerned about the optics of, of, of doing that, raising cash um, while, while on adjournment and then coming back and finishing right, the people's right, business? bring up a very valid point, and, 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 and in all reality, the optics and the perception of this uh, plays into uh, the political equation, and, and just like other candidates around the nation and other places are, are foregoing any campaigning, any political participation, I think it would be an incumbent upon each member of the General Assembly to, to act accordingly. But at the same time, there's a difference between the political optics and what, what's, what's in our purview as members of the General Assembly. 
the fact of the matter is, I think that most members would be in favor of an adjournment than, uh, than a recess, so to speak. So I, I think what you need to watch for as to what the conditions are and watch the neutral governor, the speaker, and the governor. And then I think we'll, within the next few days, I think you'll get a more clearly defined uh, action of the, of the General Assembly. Thank you. And, and, and taking, and we, although we, tomorrow we'll count, we will not be in session. On Monday, we bought another day, and then I think when we come back Tuesday, I think it'll be more clearly defined uh, where we go from here. Yeah, explain that tomorrow. First readers, and then Monday, that is, you're back that in is, session. Tomorrow, it'll just be the, um, the, the speaker just talking about doing, going through the first readers. That is okay. correct. All right. Okay, well, thanks a lot. And Donna, I think, is going to look for some other folks who might be willing to yeah. visit with us. And in the meantime, uh, we'll get, we're going to talk about some other topics. But um, first, Jim, I just want to ask you, since I've got you here, I mean, what's uh, in layman's terms, you know, explain to me simply what, you know, he was talking all about this calendar, but what does he really mean about what's going on? Well, it, it, look, the the process of, of adjournment is 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 very it, it it takes a whole lot of coordination between the two chambers because if 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 uh, if the house should adjourn before the Senate is ready, you've got all these bills that are hanging out, and some of them might be quite essential. So so uh, if in the olden days, uh, you know, you, when 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 Zell Miller was lieutenant governor and Tom Murphy was House Speaker, you know, they the the, the final chapter of, of of each session would be uh, both chambers would open their doors so they could they could see each other they could vis visually see each other they would get on the phone and they would and and they would coordinate this, the the legis uh, the end to the legislature and 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 that's I think it's it, uh, uh, Calvin was getting a little bit into the weeds there, but I think that's that's that was the concern there. You've got a you've got uh, the the Senate is still dealing with the with the the uh, the the budget the budget the, the twenty eight billion dollar budget that starts uh, July first. So, so you don't want to adjourn before before that is completed. That's going to take some a whole lot of very so, very quick negotiation. Let me let me just interrupt you there to be crystal clear for our, our listeners. The way Georgia's budget works, and with all this conversation about budget cuts and, and and all that, right now we have a budget that the state can operate on in through June 30th, and that's the one where there have been some cuts and there's been some back and forth, and that's the one they used to give. Governor Kemp, the money yes, he that's wants. The, that's, that's the supplemental or the little little budget. They call it the little budget because right. it's just for the remainder of the yeah, fiscal. It's just, it, it's just uh, adjustments, you know, in, in, in school spending and, and, and in this case, you know, budget cuts that, 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 that Governor Kemp demanded. And then there's the one, that, the, the big one that starts July 1st. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad we clear that up. Now, Donna has another uh, guest who I think can fill us in even more on the budget. So, Donna, you're down at the state capitol. And uh, uh, go ahead and uh, fill us in. That's right. You know, the, the House just came back into session. We just heard the bill go on. Oh, so it's nice that we were able to get Representative Andy Welch to come on out here. He's on appropriations and judiciary. Uh, how would you describe what's, what's happened this morning? Uh, well, I think we are um, in uncharted territory. I mean, I, I don't know that we've experienced this kind of... Um, safety or need for safety and need to be cautious about how we uh, interact here at the Capitol given this virus. Um, it has affected uh, lawmaking. Um, 
in the foreseeable future, I think. Um, and uh, it, I think, has accelerated our concerns by getting the budget passed. Yeah. So the speaker just said on the floor when you when they started back up that crossover day will happen the way it is supposed to happen. And he actually said this morning, we'll go till midnight. So we're going to see some work done here, but it's still uncertain what's going to happen after today. That's correct. Uh, the speaker was adamant this morning about being concerned about the safety of the members as well as Georgians as a whole. Um, but he did emphasize that we are here today to do the, the work of the people of Georgia. So we'll, we'll have the uh, full crossover day. He said we would go till midnight if we need to, but not beyond. Um, he also informed us that tomorrow the House will be in session. Uh, members need not attend, but um, they will be there to call the bills that come over from the Senate and assign them to committees. All right. Do you guys have questions back there? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, um, uh, Mr. Welch, this is Jim Galloway here. I hope you're doing well. Yes, Jim, how are you? I'm doing fine. Listen, I was... Uh, you're a member of Appropriations Committee. Uh, the, the big task, was, as we've said, is a $28 billion budget that's based on a whole lot of presumptions. We see this, this, this pan, uh, coronavirus pandemic, and, and we see what the markets are doing, and they're not doing very, very well at all. Uh, are we, are, is this budget document kind of a, a document that's written on water? Are we, are we going to have to go back into it? it uh, how valid are the assumptions that, 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 that we started out with in January as far as state revenue goes? I would think that right now the assumptions are tenuous. Um, I think that would be fair to say, but the economy is still strong, although the market has dropped about 8,000 points, and that's significant. Um, we, but as you know, the Constitution does authorize us to come back and make adjustments to the budget if we need to, should we complete that role this uh, session, which I expect we will. But if we need to come back, we can always come back and adjust the budget numbers based upon the actual revenues. Now, now you've got, you've got, you've got uh, HB 1111 that just passed the House on Tuesday. Uh, it would it would require state department heads if those cuts are required to inform the inform the legislature. Uh, have you gotten any signals from the Senate as to whether that's going to move? Because I think we're moving into that territory again. No, I have not received any signals. Um, they are very focused on passing the uh, their agenda and their bills out today on crossover, as you know. Um, and, uh, of course, that would not become law until July 1st of uh, this year anyway. So I don't know that bill would have any effect, even assuming that it would pass the Senate and be signed by the governor. Representative Welch, Kevin Riley here uh, from the AJC. You mentioned, you know, how unique the situation is and the concern about, uh, you know, health and safety. I mean, what's the mood like among the legislators? I mean, average people out here in the world, we're not going to get to go to the NCAA tournament or go see the Atlanta Hawks or the soccer team or anything like that. But what's it like under the Gold Dome? What are you guys talking about? Well, uh, I'd say two big things. One, we are talking about the public's health and safety and welfare relevant to this virus. Um, and that has been reflected in the budget amendments that you saw in the supplemental budget. Um, we're also talking about those issues that are important to Georgians that really are embedded in the budget, as well as other bills and legislation that are important. 
but I think the, the, the general sense of folks here is, is that how do we act in a manner that's prudent as lawmakers in passing legislation, but also recognize that we need to set examples for the, the behavior of uh, Georgians going forward given this coronavirus scare. And I think what we're doing is working today. We're going to take the rest of them day by day. Okay, Greg, I don't know. As you can you're hear, in... the bells are going off. So there's, uh, there's a lot of work still going on. I guess Greg has a question. Yeah, Representative um, Janet. Is there any realistic hope of passing that big budget uh, tonight or, or in the very near future so that lawmakers can adjourn and, and go home for the rest of the year? I can't speculate on the, the timing of passage of the big budget um, or the full budget, which is the budget for 2021. Um, but it will need to happen before uh, June 30th in order to be effective for next year. There's, there's a lot the of talk about We're going to find out more about that after we hear from the governor at 3 o'clock. Will we know maybe more? Are you waiting to hear what the governor has to say, too? I'm waiting, yes. I'm, I'm waiting to hear what the governor has to say. I don't, I, I don't have an expectation that he'll speak to the budget or not. Um, but I think the Senate leadership and the House will speak to that uh, probably later today. All right. Okay, we're going to get in a quick break here. Um, you're listening to a special edition of Political Rewind on GPB Radio. More on these breaking developments in just one minute. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. Welcome back to this special edition of Political Rewind. We're following fast-moving developments regarding the coronavirus, I'm sorry, outbreak. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp will be speaking live at the top of the hour, a news conference you'll hear on GPB Radio and online at gpb.org. We now know there is at least one death in Georgia related to the virus, a 67-year-old man who had been hospitalized at Wellstar Kennestone Hospital since testing positive on March 7th, has passed away. In addition to being infected with the coronavirus, this individual also had underlying medical conditions. Joining me here is Jim Galloway, Greg Bluestein, and Donna Lowry. So, Jim, the numbers are, are changing every day. Now we have 12 confirmed cases of the coronavirus in Georgia, 19 presumed positive cases, as we just mentioned, one death. Uh, a lot of those cases are around Metro Atlanta, or there, although there are some out there out there in the world. Right. Uh, yeah, you have uh, Kennestone, as you mentioned, is part of the Wellstar system. They've got 11 hospitals, most of them in Metro, metro Atlanta. Uh, they are, uh, we were, they, they, they told uh, our, our AJC colleague, Carrie Teagarden, on Wednesday that they were treating patients plural, uh, for the COVID, uh, for COVID-19, but they, they would not say how many. So there's a, a good possibility that they're all, they, they've, they've got more people in their system. 
What's uh, and for uh, you know all all three of you, Jim and, and Donna and Greg, what's your sense of how Georgia is handling this? I mean, other states have been arguably much more aggressive, and um, so. Uh, Greg, I mean, you're the one chasing the governor around most days. Uh, what's your What's your take on how he's handling this? Well, look, he's under a lot of pressure to declare a state of emergency and take more proactive measures. He's also trying to balance that with a with a, a continuing call for calm. Um, and it, it's kind of a, a tricky spot to be in because, at one hand, you want to show that you're aggressive, that you're taking all these measures. On the other hand, you don't want to incite panic because there's already enough panic. There's already you know grocery stores with no sanitizer and toilet paper in the aisles, and there's already enough news uh, about people um, getting very understandably concerned about where this goes next. So he's trying to strike that balance. I expect him to take um, some, some pretty significant steps um, later on today, especially after President Trump's announcement last night. There, there's no questioning the impact and the extent of this disease now, especially after the travel ban that was announced by the president late last night. Well, but Greg, so we've got now... Uh, the NCAA deciding there will be no fans at their games. We've got the NBA uh, suspending its season. We just heard that the uh, college basketball conference conferences, are the two we care most about here in Atlanta, the Atlantic Coast Conference and the Southeastern Conference, have called off their tournaments. Major League Soccer suspended its season. The National Hockey League suspended its season. The Atlanta Ma- Speedway will be running without an audience. Yeah, I mean... Uh, what what's he waiting for? Everyone everyone's yeah. making decisions. I, I, I agree. Yeah, and look, I mean, this last couple of days, you've seen a lot of mixed messages that have been very confusing to the public. Even here in the Capitol, you you heard Speaker Ralston saying that urging the public not to show up and, and watch the proceedings. You heard Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, who presides over the Senate, saying, "Come on down, <laughs> we're still open for business." So there's been a lot of mixed messages over that, and it's only been today where you, you today and late last night where you've seen that torrent of, of cancellations and news because up until then, major events have been going on as scheduled, right? The St. Patrick's Day Festival in Savannah, the Atlanta Motor Speedway, um, all manner of, of major events were pretty much all still as going as scheduled, most of them were at least, until late last night. So I think, I think we've kind of crossed the Rubicon there now, and I think we're going to see a lot more significant developments and, and maybe a more assertive approach from Kemp. Uh, they're not saying exactly what they'll outline but I expect I expect a state of emergency and I expect some other um, precautionary measures. Donna Lowry, the, the legislature seems to have made up its mind about a few things. So, I mean, will the governor follow? What are what are the legislators saying about the governor's decisions? I think right now there's a sense of urgency that we haven't felt before now. I think last night, as Greg said, was a game changer. The fact that we've had our first death in Georgia is a game changer. And so I think we will see some movement and there'll be some a push to see more done at the state level. I have with me right now Representative Terry Anulowitz, who can talk a little bit about today and your feeling about what's happening here. Compare even yesterday to today. Yesterday seems like it was many more than one day ago. When we're talking about how our understanding of how COVID-19 is impacting us here in Georgia, when we do have the reality that we have had a death, and it looks like that death took place in my home county, it makes it very real. I think what, what, what has happened is we have a greater understanding of the importance of that social distancing and why, as policymakers, we need to be taking seriously how we talk about encouraging people 
to stay home, to not go into these large crowds. It seems like one of the things that we know will stop the virus advancing further is just keeping people at home. And so how are we as policymakers going to approach this in a way that is reasonable and realistic? How would you assess how the governor is handling things? I tell you, I am really impressed at the degree to which he is deferring to the experts. The task force is comprised of people who are experts in their fields, and I think that the breadth and depth of the experience they have, whether it's Dr. Toomey with the Department of Public Health, or you're talking about the Adjutant General Thomas Carden with the Georgia National Guard, I mean, he is relying on information from the experts, and so as a, just as a Georgian, that actually gives me a great deal of calm when, when talking about how we are going to be moving forward. I don't think that decisions are being made rashly, and I do think that decisions are being made that are based on facts and reality. Okay. I think Jim Galloway has a question for you. Yeah, Ms. Anulowitz, uh, your, your district includes Smyrna, includes uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Brave Stadium. They have, uh, Major League Baseball has announced a delay in the start of the season. Have you, have, have you been uh, touching base with, uh, with, with any of the business leaders in, in, in that area of Cobb County and about what the, what the impact of, of something like that is going to be? Well, Jim, you actually just informed me that the start of the Major League Baseball stadium season was going to be delayed. So to answer your question, no, I haven't. This has been a drinking from a fire hose type of day, and I know that the folks over there at the Braves are making decisions at a quick clip also, so I have not been able to touch base with them, but I definitely will. Uh, we just got uh, some breaking news that I'm going to share, and, and maybe we can get the representative's reaction to this. The the Federal Reserve Bank of New York has just announced that it will spend one and a half trillion dollars to put trillion. trillion with a T to purchase financial uh, assets and just pump money into the economy amid this. Um, thoughts about that, uh, Representative Anulowitz? Wow, I am processing that. The, the, the trillion with the T is profound, but I'm hoping that that these actions will somehow trickle down to a lot of the small business owners. That's who I've heard from the most. In terms of people who are very concerned about the economic impact of the novel coronavirus, the people I'm hearing from the most are these small business owners and also folks who work for these small business owners, particularly when you're talking about these major events being canceled. The impact this has not just on the restaurant owners and on the hotels, but for the people who work for those restaurants and hotels. I mean, the hospitality industry is a big part of the Georgia economy, and I really think that having some kind of assurance for them that there is at least talk or possibility of having some kind of safety net in place I think is something we should we should do I I'm, don't even know how to address what the Fed is doing beyond that right now the fact that you mentioned that you're the person who passed away from the coronavirus is from your district not I know from you, my district but from, from, from the Cobb County I'm sorry from the Cobb County area You've been here this morning. Yes. What are you feeling? What are, what are you What are you going to tell your constituents about what's going on down here in relation to that? That's a terrific question, and I feel like when you think about the different hemispheres that you have in your brain, I have the part of my brain that's sort of buzzing with the inventory of the things that I have in my own home to make sure that my family is going to be able to be safe and healthy for the next few weeks. But I'm also making sure that I need to that I can communicate information to my constituents about what they should do. And I think that the important things to remember are that self, 
that's, I don't want to say self-containment, but this, the social distancing really is something that we need to take seriously. If you're thinking about having a big party this weekend, for example, you may want to reconsider. I think that we need to think about the fact that as people who live in a community, people who, who live, you know, we're part of a community, we have our neighbors, we have our, our towns, we have our cities, we have our counties, we might need to get ready to make some decisions that in the short term will be an inconvenience, but in the long term could have true public health benefits and that we can help stop the spread of this coronavirus. Kevin, did you have a question? I think we might have one from Greg Bluestein. Greg's on the, Greg. on the phone here. Yeah, Representative, and guys, I'm going to have to drop off as this uh, press conference gets ready to start, but have you noticed any changes in your own personal behavior and down at the Capitol? I mean, are you starting to see people um, elbow tap more, to keep, keep, their, keep their space from people a little bit more and, and change how, how they're interacting? Yeah, I've, we've Absolutely. I've noticed over the past few days it went from people still trying to shake hands to fist bumps to elbow bumps. And I will tell you, when someone approaches me with a handshake, now I give them the jazz hands so that they understand that I'm so happy to see them, but I do not want to touch them. Have you heard anything about the university system in terms of canceling classes? I know that Emory University has canceled classes, but I believe I saw a statement and... and Kevin may be better suited to answer this one, but I think I saw a statement from the University System of Georgia saying that they did intend to resume classes yeah. after spring break. And what is your feeling about that? I think that everyone in charge of all the institutions in our state is doing their best to make the best decision they can based on the information they have right now. And I think that if they think that that is the safe thing to do, I'm gonna to defer to their judgment with the understanding that they are, the, they are deferring to the public health experts. Um, um, uh, Ms. Anulowitz, uh, and, 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 and Donna, too. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, we do have some information on, on, on the university system, and, and I'm assuming we're going to get to that in, in, in a bit. But uh, am I right? I'm, I'm, I'm in the studio. Y'all are in the, in, 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 the, in the state capitol. I am seeing a, a dearth of school children at the Capitol. Am I, am I right in sensing that? You are not seeing the school buses that are filled with kids who are trooping through the Capitol at this point. The, the, they are being kept well, out. Yeah, everything right. is the same over at the Senate. The pages are here. I just met a young man who's from Noonan. He is in uh, middle school. He is here as a page. They're, so everything on the Senate side is about the same. It is emptier on the House side. Right. On the House side, we have suspended the PAGE program. We have suspended even letting people onto the floor of the House unless it's, you know, essential personnel or, you know, someone who actually needs to be on the House, the house floor for work purposes. We suspended the PAGE program in the House. And actually, the Capitol itself, the, there is a, a group of folks, I think they might be with the University System of Georgia, but they do official tours here at the Capitol, and they have suspended the tours here at the Capitol. And I know that I have been working, well, my aides have been working with two different school tour groups that were going to be coming through, one actually today, and one, one group from Cobb County and one group from Atlanta, and both of those schools went ahead and canceled their tours that they had scheduled to have down here today and then one a week or so from now. So is, it's busier here today than I expected, though. How, how do you feel about that? It is definitely busier than I expected. But I actually think the people who are down here do tend to be down here for, for reasons that are important to them and important to their stakeholders. I know that everyone seems to be much more cognizant of hand washing, of where the places are at the Capitol where they can wash their hands, where we have hand sanitizer. It's, it's 
profligate throughout the Capitol. But I do think people are behaving differently. And I'll tell you, I saw um, a carload of kids getting out this morning when I was in the parking deck, I think, to come into the PAGE program. And I actually gave it a second glance. And I'm someone who I bring my kids to the Capitol all the time. But they are not here today. Just to, just to uh, clarify for everybody on that question about the, uh, uh, the universities, uh, this is from a statement that was issued by Georgia Tech. As of earlier today, the guidance from the University System of Georgia is that all 26 USG institutions will remain open for face-to-face -face education at this time. That message was sent to presidents of all of those institutions. So as of now... Georgia's colleges remain open, uh, open for business, and um, that's very different than what some other states have done. Uh, Jim, can they make the decisions individually? I was, I was curious about that. It, it sounds. I, I, I don't know for sure. I, I, but it sounds like they're listening to the guidance of the university system. Right. They're, they're listening to the guidance. And and in in that statement of, from the the president of Georgia Tech, you you you, you he makes the distinction between uh, universities in Metro Atlanta, which are high population, very closely uh, 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 packed together, and uh, and universities elsewhere in the state. So I think that's probably a matter. The other thing you have to consider is is the fact that that places like like uh, uh, Georgia Tech and UGA have very large populations of international students, and if you if you close those campuses down, uh, where do those students go? Uh, where where do where do stu students uh, low income no income students go? The statement does a little foreshadowing too, because the president says that while they haven't made a decision. People heading out for uh, spring break ought to probably take with them things they may learn or they may need for classes uh, that, that would be done online. Apparently. Right, right. So I think people know where this is headed. And to me, that's one of the interesting things is there seems there seems to be a view in the House. I mean, we have some sound, I think, from uh, uh, Speaker Ralston about what the House was doing. Uh, let's play that and then talk about the Senate has, seems to have a different message and the governor seems to have a different one even then. We will have crossover day and we will in all likelihood be here tomorrow. Uh, members do not have to be here tomorrow except for me uh, and the clerk and the messenger and general counsel because all we will do tomorrow is do first readers of the Senate bills. No other action planned. Um, and I've met with the governor early this morning. I'm meeting with him again over the lunch. So that was today. Speaker David Ralston on his plans as the person who runs the House of Representatives. But Jim, tell me why the Senate hasn't no, the the this Duncan has or Senator Duncan hasn't made a statement like that, and then meanwhile maybe we'll hear from something a little bit clearer from the governor today. Yeah, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Jeff Duncan and and this and the state Senate are in in a little bit of a different position because they're the uh, they 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 would they would argue that they're the preeminent chamber, but they're also in in terms of timing they're the secondary ch chamber, especially in terms of the budget they get the last look at it. House Senate, uh, House, the House gets the first uh, shot at, at the governor presents it to the House. The House takes it, does its changes. Only then does it present it to the, to the Senate. So there's a timing issue here. 
uh, and 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 they want to keep as much business going as they can, as long as they can. Uh, and, and they do have some very, very big issues. There's a huge farm bill that left to, to fight over there. Uh, also on the table there is a is a is a uh, uh, a massive tort reform bill that uh, that business uh, business types are pushing and lawyers are of course opposing. That is that has yet to be fought over as well. Well, Donna, you and Jim spend all your time basically down at the legislature. I mean, are they really going to get this stuff done? I know there's some things they just have to get done, but but if you're handicapping this thing, I mean, what do you think is going to actually come out of this for, that average citizens will care about? I think that there's a big pressure to get some things passed, especially some of the things that have definitely been on the governor's mind, and that is dealing with the, the gang bill, the, the, the tort reform, I think he's right, is going to be another one. Uh, there's Yesterday we saw movement on the gambling bills, and so there's a lot of talk down here about that. Uh, so the, there are some things that I think that we're going to, there's, feels, there's a feeling of pressure to get them done. because. As we've talked about already this morning, if there is an adjournment, then that stops everything. So today, when the, when the speaker said we're going to go to midnight, I think there is the pressure to get as much done today as possible. Would you agree? With I definitely agree with that. I will note, and this may have been noted by one of, the, one of my colleagues in the House who was here prior to me being on the show, that we, we have achieved our constitutional obligation on the House side by getting that supplemental budget with the additional $100 million for coronavirus passed earlier this morning. Yeah. Hey, Donna, Donna, let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and this is, uh, refreshingly, this has nothing to do with the coronavirus. But but the the you, you, uh, you mentioned the gambling bill. A, a House committee passed it out, sent it to, to the House Rules Committee. Uh, so far as I know, since the lottery was approved in the early ni 90s, not one gambling mill bill has made it to the floor of either chamber. What are, what are the chances? What are you hearing about the chances of this, this gambling legislation making it out of rules and being sent to the House floor for a vote? It's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a constitutional amendment. It would need two-thirds. That's right. I'm hearing that there is a lot of pressure about it. There was a, yesterday, uh, right about the time we were doing the lawmakers show, there were lawmakers coming over to me talking about the fact that this was a big deal for them, that there's, they're feeling a lot of pressure. I really think we're going to see some movement on this today. Okay, listen, let me jump in here. We need to get our final break out of the way. Uh, you're listening to a special edition of Political Rewind on GPB Radio. More on all of these breaking developments in just one minute. Welcome back to this special edition of Political Rewind. I'm Kevin Riley, filling in for Bill Nygut, who has really picked quite a, quite a week to take some time off. Um, we're following a lot that's going on today with, uh, with the coronavirus outbreak. In fact, um, Governor Kemp will be speaking live at 3 o'clock. And you can hear that news conference right here on GPB Radio and online at gpb.org. We're intensely interested in what the governor will have to say, uh, and we're wondering about uh, sort of what next in this, in this crisis. But there is one thing we know for sure he will talk about. There is now one person dead from the virus in Georgia, a 67-year-old man who'd been hospitalized at Wellstar, Wellstar Kennestone Hospital since testing positive on March 7 has passed away. 
In addition to being infected with the virus, this individual also had underlying medical conditions. Now, joining me still is Jim Galloway uh, here in the studio and Donna Lowry down at the uh, Capitol. Jim, do you think that the uh, – for Jim or Donna, uh, uh, since you can't see each other, um, I'll, I'll ask Donna to jump in first. Do you think a death, this first death, has cha- will change what the governor has to say and, and how he – what steps he may take at this point? Absolutely. I think that's why we originally heard that the press conference was going to be at 1 o'clock. I think the fact that we heard about this death changed everything to 3 o'clock for a press conference so that they could deal with what the implications are. I think it's really a game changer when you have a death close by in a major metropolitan area when it's something like this coronavirus. I'm not sure what are the, are we at 20 deaths nationwide? I've got Something that number like that. here somewhere. Let me uh, let me double check. 19 to yeah. 20. So for one to happen in the state of Georgia, that's I think that's a big deal, and I think the governor is really going to have to talk with that task force and make some big changes. So I think what he's going to have to say at 3 o'clock is going to be very important for all of us in this state. Hey, just to clarify for our listeners, um, there have been 938 confirmed cases with the virus and 29 deaths, according to the uh, CDC. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming pr- a very serious, Jim. Uh, what, what's your, I know it's, it's speculating, but, but the, this governor is in a tough spot. This is not the kind of thing that a governor looks forward to. And it's, it's clearly Brian Kemp's biggest test since he's come into office. Yes. And, 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 and I, I will tell you what, there was, uh, uh, we, this this could change, you know, as of, of three o'clock. But uh, as of three o'clock, but uh, I, I go back to the, his Monday press conference where he, he where he brought his entire task force and and lined them up behind him, and he was very detailed in his answers. He 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 gave uh, quite a few. He, he 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 tried to overload you with facts if it was, and I think there is consciously or or unconsciously there is a there is a uh, I think there is an effort especially among Republican governors to contrast their behavior with that of the president because the president has been vague he's been contradictory and and he's been getting quite a bit of criticism for that and and governor Kemp has as to his credit has been quite the opposite uh, I mean, he's he's been he, he he keeps repeating that he's 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 here for transparency and and accuracy, uh, and and so far, so far t- uh, t- to uh, my point t- to my point of view, he's delivered. One thing I would I would add: there's another first that we haven't talked about, Kevin, and that is we have our first resident uh, quarantine. Uh, uh, our first quarantine resident at at uh, Hard Labor Creek State Park, Park, uh, uh, which is in East Georgia, just off I-20, uh, and 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 GEMA has set up maybe seven trailers right there, and that's where the state is putting people who have nowhere else to go once they're diagnosed with the COVID virus. Yeah, and you know, uh, Jer- our Jeremy Redman had an interview with one of the patients there. Uh, uh, this morning. Donna, you know, other governors, though, have have been uh, more aggressive. In other words, the the Tennessee governor has declared a state of emergency. Um, Is there a reason that Governor Kemp hasn't? And if he did, what what would the outcome be? I mean, what does it mean when a governor uh, declares a state of emergency? 
apparently it starts the clock ticking on a lot of different things, and including some things that would happen here. And Representative Vanulowitz is still with me, and I know she wants to comment a little bit on that. Yeah, tell, tell us what your thoughts are about the governor. Right. Well, and I want to go back to what we were saying a minute ago when we are talking about the difference in how Governor Kemp is approaching the way he disseminates information as opposed to how the president is, has been sharing information. And I think that one of the things that, that, because of the way Governor Kemp is sharing information in a way that is clear and factual and is based on expert knowledge, I think it's helping us as folks who are leaders in our community really go and share with, with our neighbors and with our people who we, we live with, the people who we live with what they can expect and what they need to know. And I think that that's been a very important thing because I think going back to what we what we know about this coronavirus, as we've seen just on this radio program, it's changing every 10 minutes. We're finding out something new. And so I think getting that information, getting it in a way that's clear, getting it in a way that's accurate so that we can then share it with our community members and our districts back at home is going to be important. Remember, you've got people in the House chamber and over in the Senate chamber, and we represent every single community in the state of Georgia. And so it's paramount that we have information that we can go back and share in our districts. And I think that the task force is making that job easier. Yeah. Do you think we'll see an adjournment if he declares at a state of an emergency? I have no idea. I wish I had a Carnac hat on. I would, I would try to make a guess. But I know that, again, we, we've hit the constitutional obligation with, with the supplemental budget. Uh, another question for, for you, Jim. Now, um, the, the representative just mentioned that the, you know, the House has done its job. In other words, it's got to produce a budget. And so uh, the, is it a, a little bit of a political strategy uh, in this little tiff brewing between the governor and the speaker for the for the speaker to take that position? I mean, will the governor be unhappy that, that the legislature is toying with the idea of calling it a day? No, I, and I, I think I think if Greg were still on the line, if Greg Lucian were still on the line, he would tell us that, 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 that the governor has been meeting with the speaker and, and, and Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan uh, and, or, and or their representatives to kind of coordinate the end. What you do have, I would, I would, I would, I would uh, just, just dispute a little bit of what Ms. Anulowitz had said is, uh, because yes, the House has passed its version, the Senate has not passed its version. There are likely to be that's changes, accurate, and, and there and 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 there are there are going to be further negotiations over some final changes to the budget that will in, in, involve both chambers and the governor. But how much of what the governor cares about do you think he's willing to leave on the table? And that's a big question. That's a big question because the House has drawn a line over teacher pay, and they're insisting on 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 pay raises for for state employees. Uh, the governor, so far as I know, is still pushing the 2,000 rather than the 1,000 that uh, per year that the that the house has given him. Um, what about what about you uh, down at the Capitol? Do you think that the governor will be ultimately unhappy? You know, I think there is a very real real possibility that the governor, members of the House, and members of the Senate are all going to potentially be leaving some priorities on the table. You know, if we end up adjourning, it's not just casinos. It's not just the gang bill. There are, there are myriad other issues that are just going to be put on hold. And I think that the reality is that no matter what happens here, if we end up adjourning because of a state of emergency or otherwise, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be left undone. All right. Well, we the fiscal year 2021 budget. Okay. We're, we're getting close to running out of time. And I want to remind all the listeners, again, the governor 
Brian Kemp is having a press conference at 3 o'clock. That's just a minute and a half away, and it will be carried live here on GPB and at gpb.org. Um, so that's going to do it for today's Political Re- Rewind. I want to thank Jim Galloway, Greg Bluestein, and Donna Lowry, and all of our guests for joining us, and, and, and thank you also for listening. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, you can find it on gpbnews.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to catch lawmakers on GPB TV tonight at 7.